And in that context, before we met today, I quickly went to PubMed and looked up the term regenerative rehabilitation, which I believe most of us would agree is now a subcategorization of regenerative medicine. And in fact, interestingly, when one does that search, there are now 264 research articles that appear under regenerative rehabilitation. And only 37 of those predated 2002. And of the 264, 187 are within the last two years. So 71% of all of the research that has been peer-reviewed and is now available for our consumption has been generated in the last two years. So this speaks to the emergence and the importance of regenerative rehabilitation within our scope of knowledge and potentially our scope of practice. So with that kind of momentum, it kind of behooves us to learn as much about regenerative rehabilitation as possible. And as you well know, last year, to introduce clinicians and scientists to rehabilitation that is regenerative in nature is a step in the right direction. So if I can interject perhaps a very practical example, we've had many guests on this podcast in the past who have talked about tissue engineering. And I know that you and the tissue engineers have learned that if you engineer new tissue, it really is important to have the tissue introduced to the mechanical and the physical environment in which it's expected to perform after being healed, so to speak. For our listeners' benefit, Rehabilitation is an integral part of tissue engineering, and just use that as an example in terms of the points that you're making. There are two that come to mind, one of which I'm familiar with, the work that's being done at Pittsburgh and elsewhere, and one and work that we're doing here at Emory University. Many people know that efforts to create muscle scaffolding to replace a muscle which has been damaged through trauma is a fundamental way in which one can promote new tissue. And there have been some remarkable gains made in this area. The questions that arise and why I think physical therapists in particular should take note of these advances and discoveries is that we don't yet know with the regeneration of muscle, which is now quite possible, what is the most optimal form of therapy to provide to maximize function. And this is but one example of a wide open area that we are going to be, we being physical therapists, are going to be asked to explore. So as these discoveries are made, our scientist colleagues are going to turn to us and say, in light of what we've been able to create here with the generation of new tissue and its molding, how can you as clinicians interested in fostering optimal movement and function with this new tissue come up with the best therapies? It's hard to do that without first acquiring fundamental knowledge about what regenerative rehabilitation is, and in this case, how muscle tissue reformation occurs and can be optimized. What my colleague Randy Trumbauer here at Emory University is doing in this area of regeneration is a bit different, but also it's quite fundamental. And to keep it simple, he and many of his basic science colleagues before him have learned that in the area of spinal cord injury, if an individual is exposed to hypoxia, only 11% instead of 21% oxygenated air, there seems to be an interaction that promotes cortical and subcortical drive towards muscle and creates increased muscle outputs. So the question is, how does that happen? And how do we equate or calibrate the use of hypoxia 
as a clinical tool to promote some kind of changes in the spinal cord that allow the outputs to drive muscles more effectively than they have in the past. So this is another form of regeneration in which compromised oxygen content in air seems to serve as a stimulus to awaken or drive nerve cells that will subsequently allow individuals who have compromised outputs to their muscles to drive those muscles further to increase strength and function. And so here's a whole avenue of exploration in neurological rehabilitation that's just awaiting our input to determine how we can best use this form of novel therapy. So the two examples you just cited in the statistics you shared with us a moment ago certainly affirm the fact that progress is being made at the science level. What do you see as the preparedness of most physical therapists for increasing the incorporation of these emerging findings into their clinical practice? Well, that's a very important question, and I fear that at this point the importance of this subject has not made its substantial impact into the educational processes for the most part. Yet I think there is an awareness on the part of educational leaders in the field of physical therapy to embrace this knowledge and figure out ways of providing the information. The difficulty is that many of our educators simply are not as informed as we would like in areas that relate to regenerative medicine, genomics, bioengineering interfaces. And so we have an obligation to provide opportunities for them to learn. Courses, programs such as the one that was put on last year and will be put on this year at Pitt is one opportunity. I can tell our listeners that the American Physical Therapy Association is now investing in opportunities for us to assimilate information gathered from both physical therapists and non-physical therapists to create an educational bank that can be accessed electronically by virtually any educator in the country who's a member of the APTA. That technology and that informational base will be developed over the course of the next couple of years. So between symposia and the assimilation of information from a variety of knowledgeable people, both within and outside the profession, who have a commitment to allowing us to learn more so that future therapists will be better educated, in this case in the area of regenerative rehabilitation, will become a reality. But right now, we are a bit behind, and I think what we all need to do is take a good look at our curricula and ask ourselves, if we're trying to embrace future discoveries, what is it within the physical therapy realm that can be compromised for the sake of providing the time and opportunity to acquire new knowledge. And that takes a lot of introspection on the part of our educators and our clinicians so that we can begin to change the landscape in which future therapists learn. As you work diligently to have educators become aware of these opportunities and these needs in terms of the fusion of medicine, science, and rehabilitation, what are the tools that you see that might be used to accomplish this objective? Well, given the contemporary development of electronic media, it seems reasonable that to access the largest number of learners, whether they be clinicians or educators, in the most easy fashion would be to develop a cadre of individuals who, through webinars, podcasts, and other electronic media, some of which could very easily be interactive, 
have access to that, and it's my hope that the American Physical Therapy Association and those invested in promoting rehabilitation, specifically regenerative rehabilitation, would seize these opportunities. And so within just a few years' time, we will have a bank of knowledge that can be updated regularly and easily accessible by a large number of rehabilitationists. Very good. I have to commend you for your commitment and your ambitious approach to addressing these important issues. Let me just add that it's not just a question of commending. My concern is that as these discoveries are made by our scientific colleagues, many of whom are well-versed in the laboratory but not necessarily in the application phase, if we can't step up and be the ones who can deliver the applications with clear rationale, they'll find other people to do it. And I don't want that to happen. I think we want to be as prepared as we possibly can be to embrace and use new scientific knowledge as it emerges. And that's happening exponentially right now. Exactly. So we mentioned early on the upcoming second annual symposium on rehabilitation. Any other thoughts about that particular forum that will be held in November in terms of accomplishing some of these objectives you just shared with us? Well, I'm hoping that our educators and clinicians around the country take heed to this opportunity and consider attending. And I think the reason to do that, quite frankly, it's not to promote the University of Pittsburgh or anyone's site, but there are very limited opportunities in which you can get world authorities together in one room at one time to share their knowledge of this emerging and important topical area and have an opportunity outside the formality of a classroom to talk with them and at the same time have your colleagues in the same learning mode so that the questions that are generated and the dialogue that occurs is totally in context and relevant. That is one educator talking to another or one clinician in rehabilitation talking to another rehabilitationist rather than going to a, a symposium on regenerative medicine that doesn't necessarily have a very clear rehabilitation tie. So the opportunity for rehabilitationists and experts in regenerative rehabilitation and medicine to be in the same room at the same time is very novel. And I really believe that before the podcasts and before the webinars, a chance to gain exposure and knowledge this way is very inviting and would encourage clinicians and educators to seize the moment. So for any of our listeners that might be interested in the symposium, we will put a link on the podcast website to the symposium website, and I understand the full program will be published shortly, so that will be of interest to people who have an interest in this field. So, Dr. Wolf, I appreciate you taking the time to join us by telephone today and to share your insights and vision. Again, I will post on the podcast website the link to the symposium website. I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. Remind our listeners we welcome suggestions. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And until we meet again with another interesting interview, thank you for listening and best wishes. Mm-hmm.